0: Hi, and welcome to Sepa Stories. All right, so this is an actual rerecord, and sometimes I'm just not happy with the way a piece reads, or I listen to it and I think, oh, I could have done that better, and I really want to do justice to these great pieces. Uh, we had a technical issue with this particular story, and I also decided that I kind of wanted to do a reformat as well. So um, with that being said, If you've already listened to One Condition and One Plot, I will be rereading. One Condition seemed to cut off on my initial upload, and I am so sorry. I'm still a little new to this, and I'm figuring out my equipment. So I do apologize, Professor SS19. Let's get your writing uh, posted and get it posted clean. So, all right, with that, let's start over. And let me tell you about what this is and then we'll get these wonderful pieces read and i'll kind of explain what we're going to do uh this is a two-shot the first of the series and a two-shot is two standalone one-shot pieces of fan fiction each piece is a completed standalone work of writing that you could read independently but they kind of build on each other and the author does recommend it, that you follow up reading um, the first published piece with the second and pretty quickly so that you know they you you have both pieces in mind which is why I'm redoing this format. So for one condition as written by SS19 uh, this author did give a summary to the piece as she posted and it says Severus Snape returns to Lord Voldemort after 13 years of absence. So this is set during the Goblet of Fire and it is part one of the Voldemort Advisors series. Now I have had communication with the author who did mention that this is going to be part of a more robust series. And we're looking at at least four pieces uh, potentially to be determined. I think four is what she's aiming for. And I don't want to give too many things away because I know that this is a creative process and that might change depending on author's uh, discretion. So. Yay, we know more's coming, so that's a good thing. Uh, Both pieces that I will be reading are both rated T, so that's a good thing. I'll go ahead and tell you that up front. Uh, The first story has elements of angst and suspense, while the second is only suspense. We have three characters in both pieces, and they are Severus Snape, Voldemort, and Albus Dumbledore. Though... Spoiler alert for both pieces, kind of before we dive in. Albus Dumbledore does not make a visible appearance in either story um, as we're reading them, so keep that in mind. He is mentioned. Okay. Uh, The initial piece, called One Condition, was published on May the 19th, and the second in the series, which is titled One Plot, was published on May 22nd. So you can see that these followed up very quickly after each after each other. And um, there is a, a little notation on the second that says I couldn't resist that you have to read the second one right after one condition. You know, Much Love and um, SS19 and I'm, I'm paraphrasing there. So because that was the author's desire and how it should be read, I'm going to read them that way. So let's dive into one condition then we may take a a break or a pause depending on on how well i can get through the piece it's hard to read a section like this when you have such heavy wonderful characters you've got bulky characters here with big voices and big personalities so i really hope i do this justice and that we can get this posted clean so hang in here let's dive into our story. We will do the first of the two shot called One Condition and we will start now. And thank you Professor SS19 for granting us permissions to read uh, these wonderful fanfic pieces. Our disclaimer before our story, all um, works that I read and that are being written by our authors. Uh, We do not own any of the rights or merchandising or intellectual property as created by J.K. Rowling and her creation of the Harry Potter universe or the construct of the wonderful wizarding world that she has built for us. We're simply playing in it. So with that, this is a, a work of love and appreciation. With that, let's read the story. All right, here it goes. One Condition by Professor SS19. Thirteen years absence and late Thirteen years absence and and disobedient Thirteen years absence and you summoned me, my lord. Thirteen years absence and bored? Lord Voldemort considered the soft, lazy troll from his position, facing the fireplace, He chose not to respond immediately, the anger and disappointment thudding through his newly resurrected veins. Let the silence fester between them. Not that silence favored Voldemort's side in this. Three hours ago? I was busy. The voice was so casual, so unaffected. You caused rather the uproar with your... The pause dripped with unfavorable judgment, Return. The rest of the inner circle were there. Yours was the notable absence of Severus. He would not turn from the fire, despite hearing the younger wizard clearly step further into the room and perhaps remove his outer traveling cloak. His senses seemed more tuned now than they had been before. He thought he would smell fear as he had earlier that evening. There was no fear. The inner circle, fawning syphicants who flee to your side from fear, desperate to protect themselves, groveling and falling over themselves to please, I think I would not be among them. The derision born from superiority and prestige all those years ago was tangible. It suited that dark voice now even more than it once had. And you, Severus, do you not see yourself as a fawning, groveling, pleading, significant? Then why then are you here? Why choose to return at all as you clearly no longer respect those who gave you your one opportunity to rise above? He straightened his back. He could still be imposing, even after all this time. Why then, if not fear? The response was immediate curiosity. It seemed almost as damning as pity. So let us see, shall we, the glorious and magnificent return of the Dark Lord. Voldemort turned from the fire and observed Severus. The younger wizard had not changed thirteen years, had obviously been kind. He seemed far less thin, and his shoulders were straight, and the expression was surprisingly neutral for all the sarcastic venom his spoken syllables held. "'I did tell you that the spell was flawed,' Severus gestured with his hand. "'Not quite the rebirth you were expecting, no?' it is sufficient i will regain my strength and then i will finish what i started severus laughed yes laughed voldemort itched to draw his wand such insolence could not be tolerated and yet you were vanquished by an infant' incredulity now to match the mocking mirth. You were defeated by an orphan in a crib who had never so much as touched a wand. He shook his head. As if that were not enough! You murdered his parents before him and left their bodies while he cried. What a calvinizing move for those who opposed you! Martyrs made of James and Lily Potter, and the light reunited for them. Who will follow you now? The simple raise of a hand. Who will follow a wizard banished by a baby? Your armies are scattered, your followers imprisoned or cowering at your feet, and Dumbledore rules it all, smug and arrogant and adored. You should have listened. You speak of Dumbledore and smugness, Severus. Perhaps you should look in the mirror and consider your own words. Voldemort could so easily draw his wand. You came back after thirteen years to gloat? I came to assess the situation. Severus did not seem even the vaguest ounce afraid, and Voldemort almost envied that. I have much to offer after all, for the right price and the right cause. ''You realize I could kill you?'' ''From what I hear, you fail to kill Harry Potter again tonight. Work travels. Now I must endure his superiority complex far further next year. You could kill me. It might perhaps be the least strategically senseless move of the night so far.'' Severus folded his arms. Voldemort thought it was time enough to meet Severus's bluff. He drew his wand, and true to form, the Slytherin did not wince, nor flinch, nor even raise a single eyebrow. He did not pay the wand any heed. He just stood, waiting, goading. Their gazes were locked. No, not goading, knowing. Still, even after all this time, you need me, my lord. Now, perhaps more than ever. Your strategies have filled me before. I warned you not to chase after the boy. I warned you how much the Order of the Phoenix would be willing to risk losing. You did not listen. You told me the prophecy. I did. You fulfilled it. Severus's expression showed intrigue for the first time. Though not completely, I will accept. Curious. Perhaps there is more to the prophecy than we first considered. Dumbledore will think the same. You need to hear more than the half I heard. Is this you advising me, Severus? Do you seek your old position as my left hand back? I am still deciding whether I am seeking my old position. Or walking away? Walking away or walking back to Dumbledore? I see he treats you well. Exceedingly well. I am very comfortable and immune to persecution by the ministry. Why would I risk comfortable lodgings, an excellent salary, and freedom from Azkaban for someone who cannot even defeat a child now in a duel? He lowered his arms to his side. I presume you still want the same as the rest of us, Severus?" I have never wanted the same as the rest of us. There was a little hesitation on the us that did not escape Voldemort's notice, but neither did he choose to comment. Of course not. You believe you are better than dogma and subjugation, but you have always desired power and influence, Severus. You must have that now over Dumbledore. Does he pander to your every whim and seek your advice on even the most critical of matters? I presume he has been to you tonight to ask your opinion. He believes he sent me. Silence. Did he? Did he what? Did he send you? No. That was a small victory. So... You do wish to return to my service, Severus. I do not see how I could trust you. Trust? Severus took three very measured and composed steps forward, and for the first time Voldemort could truly see the emotion in those eyes, and he was surprised to see a shadow of despair and frustration. You cannot trust anyone. You trust your followers. The moment news of your fall reached them, they traded whatever knowledge they had for freedom from Azkaban. They swore they would never serve you again. And now they come crawling back so that you will not harm them. That is not trust, my lord. Do not mistake their appearance tonight as loyalty, seen only as self-preservation. Trust is irrelevant. Dumbledore trusts you. Dumbledore is a fool. On that we agree. Voldemort lowered himself into the chair by the fireplace. So, can I count on your support then, if not trust? Will you advise me once again as my lieutenant? Severus offered no outward sign of any consideration. With all your old privileges, of course, I still value your counsel, and I assume you have collected knowledge that would be valuable for our, my cause. Severus would never champion the submission of muggles and mudbloods. Lord Voldemort did not need him for that. He had never needed mindless and thoughtless agreement from Severus Snape. I have one condition. Lord Voldemort needed intellect, Strategy, persuasion, creativity, and most of all, darkness. Severus had all in abundance. He waved both hands' palms upward. You know the courtesy, Severus, when you request something of the Dark Lord. Severus's eyes narrowed. He would permit Severus to walk out of here alive if that was the outcome. He respected the other wizard and knew that for all his projected deception, Severus, in fact, was a man of his word. He had never sworn true loyalty to the Dark Lord. He had sworn to serve. Perhaps his definition differed from others, but if he walked away, he would walk away from it all. It was, however, very unlike Severus to ask for anything. Asking for something was a weakness, a strategic flaw. How much do you want for your condition, Severus? It gave Voldemort power. Something akin to resolution settled in those black eyes. The round in this room was lost, but Voldemort did not for one second suspect he had won the game even as Severus Snape knelt before him, hands clasped together, head bowed, but eyes most definitely not lowered. Lord Voldemort sensed he himself had made some terrible oversight, but as he had seventeen years before, he saw so much in those eyes. Irresistible he saw everything he had needed and that gave severus all the power when the time comes and the time will come severus raised his head and Voldemort was suddenly aware that he was holding his inhale the gaze was set firm determined and yielding hatred What do you desire, my favorite? My condition is simple. By my hand, and mine alone. Murder, Severus, how delightfully ordinary of you. Voldemort was almost amused. The moment shared echoes of comradeship. Never before have you lowered yourself. A special case, my lord. Name them those black eyes glittered strangely then Dumbledore oh I had shivers <laughs> oh I had shivers okay that was great um, I love this story absolutely love it I am going to take actually a quick break and I will continue on immediately with the second in this story which is titled One Plot so stick with us And give me just a moment. We'll be right back. Hi, and welcome back to Sepa Story. Okay, so, as promised, I'm going to dive immediately into one plot. This does follow one condition. I will go ahead and preface by saying that some time has passed between the events of the first story, which we know takes place, at the end of Goblet of Fire, and this is sometime later, so listen closely so you can kind of catch what's happening in the timeline. With that, let's begin. One plot written by Professor SS19. I told Dumbledore about the plot to murder him. Lord Voldemort reminded himself for another increasingly common time not to respond to his serpent of a closest adviser immediately. He was having to learn to use silence as an ally, although he had to also admit that Severus Snape had mastered silence and used it as his realm. More than that, Severus was aware of his attempts, and therefore, when any other follower who would have shuddered and yielded in the presence of Voldemort's silence, Severus just waited. Finally, Lord Voldemort himself yielded. What plot? Your plot. The Dark Lord recorded. The Dark Lord regarded the younger wizard, sat in near but not close proximity. Chair turned away from the fire, so the flames cast bizarre and twisted patterns onto the thin face. One arm was bent at the elbow, so his hand rested loosely in his lap, while the other was straight along the chair's arm. Wrist raised so that long fingers could flex and bend, as if conducting his own syllables. The flash of white around his cuffs peeked out like the soft taunt of Lord Voldemort's perpetual doubt. Back straight, shoulders set, feet firm—every mere inch confident, composed, comfortable. It intrigued, amused, reminded, and irritated Voldemort in equal measure. We have not discussed murdering Dumbledore, advisor. The title felt cheaply petulant, and he hated how easily he had been riled. Calm and patience was the way to draw Severus out. Or Voldemort could just murder him. And yet, have we not? A raise of one dark eyebrow, that is a shame, as he knows now. Severus offered no further indication that he planned to speak again, which meant Voldemort would have to ask. When did you envision me killing Albus Dumbledore, Severus? He appreciated good strategy like all rulers, but what he appreciated more was clear and consistent answers. Severus curled his fingers into the palm of his hand. "'I do not envision you killing him, my lord, "'not after the disaster of the ministry.' "'The unsaid words gained tangible form "'in the expression on Severus's face. "'If the order had not intervened,' Voldemort snarled and then caught himself, "'instead choosing to lean forward in his own chair, "'which to every other follower was a throne. "'Curiously, I have not identified the source of that indiscretion.' despite much torture and questioning and investigation. Do you not find that curious, Severus? Not particularly. I find it curious. I find it curious because it would have greatly benefited some people's position and other circles on the back of my failure. Severus reached for the goblet of red wine on the table beside him. "'Who would it have benefited, my lord, "'your failure to kill Dumbledore and the boy who lived? "'It would have rather cemented your position at Hogwarts "'particularly with Dumbledore.' "'He watched long fingers wrap around the goblet. "'My position at Hogwarts requires no reinforcing, my lord.' "'He raised the glass almost to his lips and smirked above its rim. "'He thinks the world of me.' It would be so easy, Voldemort reflected, to poison the wine, though he suspected the greatest potion-maker he had ever encountered probably carried every known antidote somewhere on his person. That does not mean you are innocent, as If you suspect me, my lord, then accuse me. You could even torture me, as you have all the others.' There was a rather pointed, silent suggestion that it would make no difference if Voldemort did interrogate Severus, no matter how much pleasure the notion gave him. So if not me, then who? I told him Draco was going to do it, that you had chosen Draco to murder him. A child. Voldemort rose from his chair "'even with his additional height, "'he knew he did not intimidate Severus in the slightest. "'You believe a child can achieve what I could not? "'Think most carefully, adviser. "'Severus looked up at him, "'face a neutral mask apart from his eyes, "'which almost danced with almost amusement.' The goblet still rested in his hand on the arm of the chair, and Voldemort entertained a dark fantasy, where here, now, he slit Severus's throat with his wand, and the blood would gush and spurt and trail, and eventually it would mingle with the wine, and the Dark Lord would drink it still warm. Speak, Severus. My apologies, my lord. I was thinking, most carefully, as you requested. The soft tones were too much. Voldemort drew his wand and placed it beneath Severus's chin, applying pressure, so he tilted that young face back just slightly to expose bare throat. Your insolence tires me, Severus, he narrowed his eyes. I wonder if I might be more successful without you, advisor. The black eyes did not waver. Instead, and with call that almost immobilized the Dark Lord. Severus lifted the goblet, tipped it in a mockery of a toast toward Voldemort, and then took a mouthful. The swallow pressed back against the wand. It would be so, so, so easy. Oh, Severus suddenly interjected, as if remembering something. Dumbledore asked me to kill him instead of Draco in your plot. Voldemort did not remove his wand. He will repeat that. There had been no fortunate recall moments before Voldemort could have murdered him. That was a deliberate admission to once again force the Dark Lord to reconsider. How had he become so easily? Saintly Dumbledore will not risk Draco's soul he has told me I must complete the mission instead. A pause. So he has ordered me to kill him. I do not think you would risk your soul either, Severus. Those black eyes glittered strangely, but there was no response. Voldemort withdrew his wand. So you will kill Dumbledore? Severus adjusted position in his chair. I will. He had perfect control of his tone, and Voldemort was keenly aware that he would never know what Severus was truly thinking, or if he ever had. "'He will not allow that. This is a trap, Severus.' Why was he more concerned than his spy? He stepped away. "'This is a strategic disaster, Severus. He will destroy you, and I will lose my advisor.' Severus stood. I do not plan to fail, my lord. He collected his cloak from the back of the chair. I will destroy him, as we agreed. In fact, he paused. And this did seem as if a new revelation had just struck him. All three of us have now agreed that I will kill him. Voldemort was under the distinct impression that he had just been dismissed, and this conversation was over. "'Do not underestimate him, Severus.' "'The glance and response was arrogant in its knowing and patronizing and its bemusement. "'It is you who esterman underestimates him, my lord.' "'Hood and cloak wrapped around thin frame. "'There was the shortest and most inconsequential bow Voldemort had seen for a while, "'his own parting dismissal gesture indicating the door was more inconsequential still.' "'But just before he reached the door, Severus stopped. "'He is giving me the defense job,' a look exchanged. "'Then Lord Voldemort was alone. "'He turned his face to the fire once more. "'How easily he could have ended it! "'And yet, if Severus succeeded, "'this would change the fate of the war and the Dark Lord's favor.' even as the flames danced and flickered and blurred that sense of unease remained it seemed Severus Snape was setting the strategy so he had received everything he ever sought wanted and desired alright that is the end of the second of this of uh, a projected four piece shot here Okay, we're going to take another quick break. I will be back, and let's commentary both pieces. So hang in here with me, and I'll be right back. And if you're listening, and you would like to just skip the commentary and go to the next story, this is the part you would do that on. If you'd like to hear um, my, my take on both pieces and how they flow, please stay tuned, and I'm going to uh, be doing that next, and it won't be a very long um, review of these pieces, but I really I really have some wonderful points I'd like to to bring out and highlight and, and talk about. So we'll see you next time, and thank you for listening to SePA Stories. Hi, and welcome back to Set the Story. So if you're tuning in for the commentary on, of course, one condition and one plot, thank you very much for um, sticking around to kind of hear what we think about both pieces. All right, so one condition and one plot go hand in hand, and I really like the pairing um, together. And when you read them back to back, there is... I think, a stronger cohesiveness between both pieces. I am actually really happy. I did re record uh, the readings for both stories. And any stumbling um, through the story is is purely on my part. All right, so any um, criticisms or, or things that I would like to see differently as a reader? Okay, in one plot... There are just some things that, as a reader, I like to see dialogue more broken out, um, actually both pieces, where quotes are... And I would say look at other other stories as, as a suggestion only. You would want to have your quoted sentences and then you would have your kind of dialogue underneath them. And this kind of helps to more break out and you can tell who's saying what. Because I did have to, in reading it, kind of code what was being said. So that was a little challenging as me reading it out loud. If I were just straight reading and reading to myself, I don't think I would have had as much challenge. And that is really my only... Um, and I wouldn't even call it criticism, criticism, I would call it more of a suggestion, and, that, and that's more of a technical or technicality of writing in itself. Which, story wise, these are incredibly strong. Geez, I love these, they are beautiful, beautiful stories, and they're black and dark and delicious. Okay, so now we're going to talk about all the things that worked for me as a reader and and again these are only my um, observations which which have no no bearing other than what i experienced in reading the story okay so one condition i love that this takes place during uh, or after the goblet of fire and you can kind of tell from what's being inferred within the story you know where he says you caused rather the uproar you know and then the pause is dripping with unfavorable judgment with your return so we know that you know from the films and the books and the goblet of fire that when Harry and Cedric both touch you know the the goblet it acts as a portkey and I'm giving all kinds of spoilers away so if you haven't Red Harry Potter, I'm so sorry. But they end up in, you know, the graveyard, and Voldemort pretty immediately, you know, um, kills Cedric. And, of course, they do everything, you know, that they have to do to to resurrect Voldemort. And, you know, it, it's pretty brutal, you know, what happens. And, and it's really the first, I think murder um, of a classmate, you know, the first student that happens. So so this is a momentous, huge, crazy event, you know, that happens and you know, once Voldemort has returned and you know, he's in power again, he summons his Death Eaters, his followers and you know, that that's crazy, you know, and I, I love how clean and with the usage of dialogue which is brilliantly done it is actually i had to say that i love the dialogue and this kind of verbal fencing between voldemort and severus where he's like where were you you're late you know we know that he is late and he's really really mad you know that he knew that it was 3 hours like he was waiting <laughs> like where were you and for Severus to go and be so nonchalant like I was busy. <laughs> you know, it's just the audacity, the audacity that Severus, you know, is just dripping with every word, you know, this this nonchalance, you know, to his own life, you know, he's like almost goading Voldemort who has managed to basically pretty much come back from, from what they thought was the dead, which we know that he was a diminished creature but still very powerful. So you know, you're looking at some dark magic here happening and Severus and the role that he is presenting himself is not only incredibly brave but mouthy, you know, he's he's Malvy and unafraid and you know, it's it's brilliant. So I really loved the dynamic that Professor SS19 captures in this story. And there were so many beautiful, beautiful details that I absolutely adored. Okay, so let me tell you what those were. And this first piece I loved where, um, let me come over here. This whole sentence where he says, The inner circle fawning ants who flee to your side from fear, desperate to protect themselves, groveling and falling over themselves to please. I think I would not be among them. So he's setting himself apart from all the other, you know, death eaters who have now suddenly returned. And you know, of course, you're saying, Voldemort's, you know, questioning him. Well, aren't you one of these? Aren't you like them? And he's like, I'm not like them at all. So, you know, we know that he's already setting himself apart. And I love that, you know, he is, for lack of a better of term, you know, he, he's... He's really nervy and saying, I told you the spell was flawed, you know. He's just like jabbing at him, you know, he just keeps jabbing at Voldemort and he laughs at Voldemort. I mean again, raw audacity. I mean, just I'm like, Good Lord, you know that is that is that is some crazy, crazy bravery, almost insane audacity there. And you know, he's he's confronting him, but I love I love this whole setup because, you know, we know from the canon, from from Rowling's actual writing, that he is Dumbledore's man, and he is loyal to Dumbledore, but a deeper thought is we know that there's this whole other side relationship that was going on with Lily Potter and, well, Lily Evans. And Severus Snape and so there's this tragic love story kind of happening or this triangle between James Potter, Lily Potter, and Severus Snape and Severus and Lily end badly while they're in Hogwarts. We know this from the books and it's really sad because it's almost like Lily was Severus's only real friend and only real person in his life so you know, when he hears the prophecy, he doesn't understand that it is Lily Potter they're talking about. And even though they have drifted at the time Severus hears the prophecy, um, he still cares very deeply for her. And I think we know in the book he, quote unquote, always has and will, which may be a little stalky or maybe a little bit of obsessive love, but it's what he could do do. It's what he was capable of holding within himself and maybe that was really magnificent or maybe you could look at it as being really stilted and hard. The Severus Snape character is so dynamic that you could see him in either light and you just don't know because he's held so closely in. I thought Alan Rickman as an actor portrayed the role perfectly. I I, couldn't imagine any other actor in that role that could do it as well as he did and with the voice oh my god i i would hear alan rickman reading these lines i could just hear her i don't even have to see it i can hear him read and i get shivers so this story very much channels that character the smugness and i can't read to do that justice there's just no way i could but um I loved it, you know. I love the the fencing that happens, the the verbal punching back and forth, and and Voldemort is written very dynamically. You know, he's he's angry, and I had mentioned in my previous recording. To me, Voldemort almost is stylized in these two pieces, one condition and one plot, stylized in a way that maybe an imperial shogun would be. You know, very very much an emperor, almost like an evil emperor, right? He well, he is Lord Voldemort, so you know, he is the ultimate baddie. And not that a shogun's a baddie, but that presence of command is there. You know, the in a way that that a shogun, you know, and 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 I say shogun because of how rigid I think, you know, when you envision Japanese culture and the history, and you think of a shogun, you would think, you know, this is someone who would be able to command hundreds of people and get immediate, you know, obedience, and and that's what Lord Voldemort, you know, is is kind of projecting in these stories. So my mind kind of went that direction, but that's me. Um, You might see that differently, but I loved it. You know, I love this, you know, I, from what I hear, you feel to kill Harry Potter, (laughs) but he just keeps on, and how he manages to walk away from Voldemort without being, you know, tortured or (laughs) avoided right there is, is beyond me, but he does, you know, it's, it's brilliant. And I love the goading, their gazes were locked, no, not goading, knowing, and so You know, Severus is very much selling selling his skill set. He's like, you need me. You need me, my lord. You know, again, with, you don't know if that's derision or if he's, you know, or how Voldemort's interpreting it. But it's almost like he's taunting him. He says, perhaps now more than ever. So you know, they go back and forth about the prophecy, and he says, you know, you seeking your position back. And I think my favorite sentence in this kind of dialogue is where he says, he calls Severus, what is it you desire, my favorite? You know, so it's, again, harking back to an imperial, like an emperor or a king, you know, who would have favorites, or or sultan, you know, it's just you know, a, a very strong leader who good or bad, strong leader who would have favorites. I love that. I thought that was beautiful. And I loved where he says, he says, hold on. Yeah, here we go. I love this. But as he had 17 years before, he saw so much in those eyes. And we know how greedy Voldemort is for power and to have have advantage. And then he says, irresistible. I mean, that's just that single word placed the way it's placed in this story. That gave me shivers right there. Professor SS19, that was brilliant. Don't move that sentence. That is brilliant perfectly placed. That one word. That That is power in your writing. Um, and I love that. He's like, what do you desire? And of course, Severus comes back with, my condition is simple by my hand and mine alone. I love how, of course, Voldemort says, how delightfully ordinary of you, you know, because now Voldemort's kind of thinking, I have the upper hand. And he says, never before have you lowered yourself. So it's almost like he's reveling in that maybe Severus, who has held himself so high and has been so untouchable, is now being so very ordinary and predictable. It's almost lulling this, you know, Dark Lord Voldemort into a false sense of security, which is exactly what Severus is doing, because we know he is really a double agent. Now something to consider is, before we kind of talk about one plot, and again these go together they are companion pieces, is does Severus really have regret for killing Dumbledore and what's going to unfold? This is something he's already entertaining because Dumbledore could not protect Lily and James and Harry. I know that Severus didn't really care so much, even for Harry at this point, or James Potter. His heart was devoted to Lily. And losing Lily would have been, I think, to Severus, losing anything he ever cared about. So to lose that one thing that you had left that was good you know does we know that he hates the dark lord because you know the dark lord is the one who who did the actual killing but but dumbledore failed as well to provide the protection he begged for for them so you know it's maybe a love hate i think from the original books between severus snape and albus dumbledore and that is going to lead now into one plot, so one plot commentaries right now, and this won't be very long. Uh, The one plot series or one shot was a little bit shorter than the first read, but to me it almost seemed more complicated because you have the same dialogue, and this is mainly where I had suggested earlier, maybe looking at those quotes again, and there were two things I wanted from this second piece. It is a complete beautiful piece of writing, but I wanted a little bit more as a reader because the way that last sentence um, sentence completes, it seems Severus Snape was, getting, was setting the strategy, so he received everything he had ever sought. So it could have been my way of reading it, or perhaps I just really want more because this is so wonderfully put together. To me, this one had a little more dynamic action. We have Severus, of course, and we also still have Voldemort verbally fencing again and fighting. And here, we're kind of getting a different take on the Assassinate Dumbledore (laughs) story because we're kind of seeing that I told Dumbledore about the plot to murder him. Now, we know that at this point when Draco, this is much later, movement of time has happened, so we're no longer a goblet of fire. Now, you know, we're we're dealing with Draco trying to assassinate or the pre the pre part of of Draco or right around when that's going on. You know, that Dumbledore is aware. I think he's already cursed himself by trying to put on the ring. And so he's dying already. That happened in the summer. I'm trying to think of the timeline. And so this is Draco getting ready to go back to school. Dumbledore is already very much strategically planning how to defeat Voldemort. And you got to think that Dumbledore has got some chops in taking down dark wizards from his experience with Quindlewald. So all of this is unspoken, but you can infer a lot even from this piece. Can you tell I'm a diehard fan? Um... That's why this works for me, is I'm like, oh, all these pieces really lock in really tightly. Great job, Professor SS19. It's really it's really tight in this sense. I loved this, I told Dumbledore about the plot to murder him, because this story almost makes it seem that Voldemort had never even considered that You know, this would be happening. You know, he's fighting back and forth, but he still hasn't kind of figured out how he's going to take out Dumbledore. They're kind of cat and mousing back and forth still at this point. You know, the stakes are getting higher. And so, you know, this is, of course, I think after the ministry, the failure at the Ministry of Magic. And, you know, the cat's kind of out of the bag. So this is further along. And it's kind of towards the end game or, you know, towards the part before the part that we see the Golden Trio end up on their own journey. So this is this is what sets all of that into motion. And I love that Voldemort says, what plot? And then, you know, of course he has no idea. And Severus says, your plot. And so I kind of like this. This is your idea. This is your plot. And then we come into... I don't remember, you know, I, I, we haven't discussed murdering Dumbledore. Kind of, this is almost to me like when you're talking to your boss and you're like, yeah, yeah, sure, this is happening. You know? or, or, or you know, like when, you know, this is very much Severus um, trying to convince or sell Voldemort that this is his plot, even though it's not. You know, he's, he's selling the idea of you know, um, that Dumbledore is now being made aware that there's going to be an assassination attempt and that it's going to be Draco. And, you know, Voldemort is being drawn into this intrigue. And, you know, while all this is happening, Voldemort is like, oh, you know, I could just kill Severus. And, and, you know, of course, I love that, you know, that Severus says, well, have we not, A raise of One Dark Eye? Well, that's a shame, as he knows now. know, so he's almost forcing Voldemort's hand in this piece. And I thought that was impressive because this is a follower strategically pus- pushing a chess piece across the board, which we know we have, you know, Dumbledore maybe having a part of this. Maybe this is Severus you know, kind of acting on his own. We really don't know the way this is written, but I really liked how complex this is becoming. Okay, so I like the, when did you envision me killing Albus Dumbledore? And he says, I do not envision you killing him, not after the disaster at the ministry. So that, you know, this is crazy that the, the events at the ministry really, in a way, I don't think anybody planned brought knowledge that, you know, of course, Voldemort has now officially returned and and now it's no longer rumor or supposition. It's there. And so that hand was played. And so Voldemort's, you know, angry. Well, the order hadn't intervened. And then he's like, well, how did the order know? And so he's starting to question Severus and Severus, of course, very, very cleverly kind of battens it away. And he says, "No, you know, it, it, you know, it, it certainly wasn't me. If not me, then who could it have been?" He's like, "Well, Dumbledore thinks the world of me. You know, it, it would not have been me. I, I, there's nothing for me to gain by me having told anyone that you were going to be there for the order to show up." So he deflects it very smoothly, and you know, so. Of course, it almost makes it seem like Severus' idea is that Draco was going to do it, that you had chosen Draco to murder him. He's telling Voldemort this and then Voldemort's kind of taken aback. You know, why a child? Well, you know, and, and you think a child could achieve, you know, what I couldn't? And it's almost like it's an insult, you know, that <laughs> that, that Severus has said this thing and he says, Thank carefully, advisor. So as, you know Severus has kind of dropped this bomb on Voldemort I love this part of the writing where professor SS has it really displays the pure evil of Voldemort and where his brain goes because he's, he's sitting there looking at Severus and Severus is a little you know leggimons did I say that right he can pretty much read what Voldemort's thinking about though we know that Voldemort may not be aware of his this ability that he has, and he's in, you know, at that moment, thinking about slitting Severus's throat, and very visually, you know, the, the gore of what would happen, and it's spilling into the wine, and him drinking it, and he's like, Oh talk to me, <laughs> he don't speak Severus, and, and I love the comeback where it says, my apologies, I was thinking most carefully as you requested, you know, so it's like, that audacity, again, that, that bravery, that, that pure nerve and palsiness, you know, um, to be crash, you know, of, of just being on that razor's edge with Voldemort, you know, standing between both Dumbledore and Voldemort. So I love this. I, absolutely love this and I love this ending like oh you know, like him. by the way Dumbledore asked me to kill him instead of Draco you know so he kind of says you know that he wants he explains how Dumbledore wants to save Draco's soul not risk his soul and so he's told Severus that he has to be the one to complete the mission and I thought this was interesting where Voldemort says um, to Severus I do not think Dumbledore would risk your soul either And, you know, there's no response to that because we know that Dumbledore absolutely did ask Severus to do this. So, you know, you got to kind of wonder again that dynamic between Severus and Dumbledore. How deep is that love or how deep is that resentment between the both of them? You know, are they, is it a love hate? Is it almost like a surrogate father and son? Is it a mentor? Are they two very powerful wizards who respect each other? We know that Severus is a double agent, and that is never more clear than in these stories, in these two one shots. So for these two pieces being as short as they are, um these were beautiful, beautifully written. I love the I will destroy him as we agreed in fact, and then he pauses. And he says, you know, as if a new revelation had struck him. All three of us have now agreed that I will kill him. So it's almost bringing it to a beautiful conclusion. Although I do wish it were a little more fleshed out. But to me, these are perfect, beautiful pieces that very much, almost like, you know, a wedding band (laughs) set. They go together. And... I think one condition is strong and you read one condition and you definitely want more. And then you read one plot and it's almost like it's a snapshot of a moment in time as these events in the bigger story are happening. And if you're a pure canon follower of the Harry Potter series as written by Rowling, these would be really nice pieces, you know, that that could be side pieces added in. I think they're that good. So it gives more depth to the story that maybe you would have wished were available. And again, that is what really great fan fiction is all about. So, Professor SS19, I think you are doing a great job on these, and I can't wait to see what unfolds with the rest of your series. To me, these are perfect as is. They are really good. And thank you, again, very much for allowing both of your written pieces, so bravely, I might say, because it's always scary to think. I've given permission to someone to read my work, you know, on a podcast, and you don't know how many hundreds of people may be listening to it, and what are they going to think, and how nerve-wracking it may be, but um, this is a beautiful set of writing, and I am so very honored to have been given the opportunity to share these stories along with the others that I have read. This is really everyone's heart and soul coming out. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of this and bringing fan fiction to people who would like to hear these read. I just wish I did a better job reading them, but I am so, so pleased that Um, we've been getting hits and followers and listeners and it's amazing to see how quickly this podcast is growing. So thank you. Thank you so much as listeners for being a part of this, writers, for contributing your amazing stories. And we will see you next time on SEPA Stories. So stay tuned. There will be more episodes. In fact, I think I'm getting ready to read one other really short piece and I hope you really like it and then we're going to call it an evening. But um, we'll see you next time. Stay tuned. We're going to be in our next segment looking at stories about four-leaf clovers in Harry Potter. So that's all I'm going to give you. It's kind of like a little tempt. You're thinking four-leaf clovers? Give it a listen. All right. Thank you for joining us at Sepa Stories. If you like this, Hit us on a follow, give us a share, tell your friends about it who are into Harry Potter, and thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you.